It's your turn. It's your turn. You're not here by accident. Right? We are not here by accident. And I like that I found that cool little JPEG. It says, now it's your turn. Because we all don't want it to be our turn. We learned that last week from Moses. Right? Yes. Last week we discussed Moses and his reaction to God's calling. Right? He was filled with what? Excuses. It sounded like I said my favorite statement is, let me pray about it. You know, I called you all out on that one last week. We all know what let me pray about it means. It means uh, let me go home, weigh my decisions, come back and tell you no in a really nice way. I really don't want to. Seen it before. Uh, his circumstances didn't align with the task. You want me to go back to Egypt? I killed somebody the last time I was there. I'm kind of wanted. But you're a, friend, you're a friend and family of the Pharaoh. No, no, no. Yes, the Pharaoh is the one who wants me dead. You know, he runs the place. He's the president. If I show up, it's not going to be good. But that Pharaoh was dead. The timing didn't align with his life. How old was Moses when he got called? 80. 80 years old. The Bible uses the number 40 a lot. It's been questioned on whether the number 40 actually means 40 or an extendedly long period of time. What would make you say such a thing, Chris? Well, Noah, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and Moses was 40 when he left Egypt, and Moses was 40 years later when he got called, and the children of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 days, and Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the desert. The number 40 is very significant in the Bible. I think there's a meaning behind it. There's a very, it's a very, very, very long time. So anyway, so Moses is 80 years old. The timing does not align, all right? And what did he do? He responded with lots of excuses. He even made God angry. Because didn't God get to the point where he's like, all right, look, man, your brother's coming, Aaron. He'll talk to the people. But you're still going. Do you get it? You don't really have a choice here. And remember what I told you about making choices against God and his will? Remember the story I told you about the gentleman that... Uh, didn't want to do what God called him to do, where did he end up? In the belly of a fish. So don't answer with, let me pray about it. You might end up in a fish. In Ellis Lake. Okay. So let's look at this. Moses feared. Moses feared. I know you're afraid. I know we're all afraid. We're all afraid. No, I'm a tough guy, Chris. I boxed Mike Tyson in 1987 in a sparring match. I lost, but I was not afraid. You are afraid. Moses feared what? He feared that he would not be able to do what God commanded him to do. That's what we all fear. We are all afraid that we are not going to meet the expectation that God puts on us. Yes? Pretty, pretty typical response. But God overcame his fears and objections, didn't he? He did. 
God will overcome your fears and your objections. And he will use you. He has a plan for you. I'm going to fire you guys up with a really cool story. Some of you might have heard it already. It's going to be in great detail, and it's going to align with the message today. I was kind of excited to tell it. So here is the major key takeaway for last week. I didn't give you guys this last week. I have a major key takeaway this week at the end of today's message. But this was the major key takeaway. It was in my notes, but I didn't read it. God encourages you and enables you far beyond your fears and objections to his calling. God enables you, encourages you, and, and enables you far beyond, not shortly beyond, not nearly beyond, far beyond your fears and objections to his calling. So Moses struggled with his calling. And what did Moses do when he became the leader? He struggled in that too. He struggled as a leader. He really did. And after the death of Moses, God called a new leader. In fact, Moses made such a mistake as the leader, God told him he would not enter the promised land. At first he told him, you're going to take the people out to the promised land. But Moses messed up and didn't trust God, and God took away his promise. Oh, it's going to get good, guys. Wait till I get to Saul. And I'm going to tell you about how the Holy Spirit was taken from Saul. So if you want to sit in your seat and be like, I asked Jesus in my life in 1992. Well, do you remember the verse that Jesus talked about losing saltiness? Okay, don't sit here and think you're riding the wave all the way to the end. It's not that simple. All right? So when we get to King Saul, I'm really going to challenge you there. But today, we're going to talk about Joshua. It is now Joshua's turn. After Moses, it was Joshua. So now I'm going to tell you this cool story. It's late 2020. We're, what, nine months into that pandemic, right? Let me back the numbers up here. Let me back the numbers up here. I do a Bible study in some way, shape, or form where I do a Bible study. Generally, I read one to three chapters of Scripture a day. And I focus on it. I harness it. That's my get down. Sometimes I get in a phase where I'm like three chapters a day every day. Right? So I was in a three-chapter phase, three-chapter-a-day phase at this time. And I had started back from the beginning because I like to start there. I like to start in Genesis. As you saw, I could take you a year through Genesis. We did a good job of that. Matter of fact, we had to speed it up and get out of Genesis because 2023 came. But so, uh, okay, so I did the math before I came up here. I've been on this planet about 15,300 days. And I said to myself, okay, 15,300 days. So two years ago, it was actually March 21 when this occurred. So this would be minus 700 days. So now we're looking at 14,600 days on earth. And I'm doing my Bible studies. And I was doing at the time three chapters a day. 
Late 2020, my wife gets an ancestry DNA from her sister. And I get FOMO. Anybody know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Your pastor got FOMO. I was like, man, I want to do ancestry. I'm like, I don't know why I can't. I can afford it. It's 60 bucks. I've been wanting to do ancestry for five or 10 years. Come on in, guys. So I'd, want, I'd been wanting to do this ancestry thing for about five years. So BB gets the package in the mail, and I'm like, FOMO. I'm like, you know what? I'm doing ancestry DNA. So I order a kit, it comes to the house, I spit in the tube, I do the, the shebang, I send it back. Six weeks later, I get the results. I start harassing my mom. I'm like, who are all these people here it says I'm related to? I've never heard of these people. Well, I see everybody on our side, but I don't know any of these other people. In fact, some of them are top matches. Who are they? At the time, I'm just giving her a hard time. So then... Your pastor went into, like, discovery mode, you know? I could get hired by an attorney office here. So I start deep diving into this. I'm like, who are these people? So I go through the ancestry thing. I'm starting to look at family trees. I start emailing these people privately. Like, you have any family that grew up in Southern California around the year 1980? A week goes by. Somebody responds to my message. Yeah, I got family there. They still live there. Really, what's their name? Wouldn't give me any more info. Look at my family tree. So I say, okay. So I go to the family tree of this lady, and I'm, for an hour, hour and a half, I'm I'm blazing through these names. Every last name, every surname I can find. I'm searching that surname, the city I lived in, and the year I was born. Finally, I go to her mother's side of the tree. It's the first name. Boom, we get a match. I search the year I was born, that last name, and the city I grew up in, and this name pops up that graduated from the high school the year before. I look this guy up on Facebook, spitting image of me. I'm like, whoa, two mutual friends, Facebook. One of them, my mother. The other one, another friend. That's weird. So anyways, long story short, I find out this is my biological father, right? So March of that year, I'm buying my son a car. 14,600 days on this earth. Three chapters a day. Where's Chris at? I'm in Deuteronomy. I'm in Deuteronomy 24... So I decide I'm flying down to Southern California on a Monday. I'm going to pick up this car for my son. I'm going to meet my father for the first time ever in my life. And I'm going to drive this car home back to Yuba City and not die by falling asleep at the wheel. So I make the trip. I'm, uh, I'm landing down in Santa Ana. And as I'm, I'm flying, and I'm in Deuteronomy 24, and I read through 27, because that's my three chapters a day. And I say to myself, well, there's about 40 minutes left to this flight. Not much else to do. 
may as well finish the chapter, or I may as well just keep going. So I do. And as the plane lands on the tarmac and they're telling you to take your phone, you can go ahead and leave your phone in airplane mode. I don't know about you, but I never put my phone in airplane mode. Take off, landing, all of it. My phone's on. Every device I have is not in airplane mode. If the plane goes down, blame Chris Jackson. So they're telling you about, you know, you can you do your phone and all that. We're landing on, we're landing. I'm on the tarmac. And I'm finishing Deuteronomy, the last chapter. And I read that Moses had wandered in the desert for 40 years. And now he was dead. And Joshua was going to take the people to the promised land. And in that moment, every hair on my body stood up from the neck to the fingertips. When all of a sudden I went, whoa. I'm 40 years old and have been lost and just found, and today I'm going to meet my real father for the first time ever. 14,600 days on this earth, three chapters at a time, ending me up right here as I'm landing at this airport right now to hear that Moses wandered in the desert and was dead, and now Joshua would be the next leader. And now I'm going to take you to the crazy part of the story. Two days later, I'm sitting at home here in Yuba City, and Pastor Mark calls me and says, we really need a campus pastor. I think you'd be the guy for the job. 14,600 days on this earth. Do you call this coincidence? I think not. So immediately, when Mark's like, what do you think about that? I said, let me pray about it. (laughs) No, I did not say let me pray about it. I responded with, absolutely. And I got off the phone, I almost teared up as I was telling BB the whole story. Because now I'm telling BB the airplane story, the landing on the tarmac, the Moses dying, the moment I'm realizing I've been lost for 40 years, I'm now found, and I'm about to start this new journey of life, and I come home, and Mark asked me to be the campus pastor. It was in that moment that I knew in my heart that I was going to be the Joshua and lead the Rivers Church into our promised land. You ever speak that way powerfully, boldly? Where people look at you like, you're crazy. Yeah, well, I'm not. So, anyways, that's what happened, right? And here we are, a couple years later. Here I am, rebuilding the church, I guess, and we're moving our way into the promised land, whatever that is for us. Amen? 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 Amen. Okay, so I just thought I would throw that story out there. I know some of you have heard bits and pieces of it, but I've never really put the whole thing together with the timelines and... That was crazy, though, right? I went to a church. They're like, you can't say the word weird. We don't like the word weird. That was weird, okay? That was freaky, weird, crazy, and so God-moving in my life right in front of my eyes. The timing was so insane. I'm like, dude, if anybody tried to deny God and his presence in this story, that man is a fool. A true fool. A fool that they should write about in Proverbs 32. Just kidding, there is no Proverbs 32. Just checking. (laughs) Seeing who got that. I was waiting for an amen. I was going to be like, you read Proverbs all the time, don't you? So, all right, guys. So that that was the story. It's your turn. I know it's my turn. I'm up here. But it's your turn. 
I'm looking right at you, Javi. It's your turn, buddy. Every time I look around, he's right there. God put him right there. God makes him sit there every week. He thinks he sits there every week, but God puts him there every week. That's how God works. So we're going to read today Joshua and get through this, talk about Joshua's turn. I'm excited. I do have all the notes in your book, and I have all the notes here on the screen, so you can follow along. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead, therefore the time has come for you to lead these people the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Isn't that a good promise? Man, that's a great promise. God was making promises to Moses before he even went back to Egypt. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Oh, you want to hear the best part of that other story? The next morning when I got home, this was the story I read. This was my next chapter. And then the next day, Mark called me. Yes. So wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north. From the Euphrates rivers in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I like that promise. I took that promise and put it in my pocket. I said, that's mine. You should do the same. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. It's the second time God said that. Be careful. I like words like careful, heed. These sounds like warnings. So you got the good stuff down. Got some promises, right? Now let's get into the warnings. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Can anybody tell me what the instructions were? Go. The law of Moses. These were the instructions given to Moses. Ten commandments and all the other laws they'd written in Deuteronomy. And Leviticus. You ever read Leviticus? Read it again. Tell me about it. Do not deviate from them. From what? From the instructions. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left. Why not, God? Then you will be successful in everything you do. Are you studying the book of instruction? We've got some in the back. Hopefully you brought one with you to church. Hopefully you read it in your free time. Hopefully you listen to it in the car. Hopefully you study it in some way, shape, or form. And hopefully it's planted itself in your heart where you want to do what it says. 
It says, do not deviate from them, the instructions, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Well, that's a nice challenge. Meditate on it day and night. How many of you read the book of instruction continually and meditate on it day and night? I think we all struggle. I got to get up and go to work. I got to feed the pets. And then I got to get three kids who don't want to get ready, ready. And then I go to work. And they have rules. I'm not allowed to talk about Jesus there. And then I come home and I'm tired. And then I do this in the evening because that's my life. Well, when did you read your book of instruction and meditate on it day and night? Yesterday, I didn't. How about on Friday? Definitely not. Or Monday's good for you? Mm, no. What about Sunday when you go to church and you probably don't do much after? Yeah, that's what I go to church for. I just go to church so I don't have to do that. Mm. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. I'm always challenge you guys. I'm always going to challenge you guys. I'm challenging you guys with the same stuff I challenge myself with. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Ah, there was a reason for this. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Well, only you can look in the mirror and tell yourself if those things are happening for you, and if not, you can go back and recheck and reevaluate and give yourself an honest measure of whether you're doing these things. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Third time. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why does he keep telling him that? Does God know your heart will? God knows your heart better than you, doesn't he? So if he told Will here to be strong and courageous and to not be afraid three, four times, you think he knows something we don't know? God knows. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God, your God. He didn't even say the God of your ancestors. He said, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How did Joshua respond, folks? How did he respond? Let me pray about it, Lord. Oh, but I'm not a good talker. No, those were all Moses' faults. You guys want to know what Joshua did? It says, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land your, the Lord your God is giving you. He took charge immediately. He didn't say, let me pray about it. And he didn't come up with any excuses. And he was afraid. It says, then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He told them, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God has given you a place of rest. He has given you this land. So those tribes, if you don't recall, I don't think we studied it yet. 
Those tribes stayed. They didn't go into the promised land. During their time of wandering in the desert, they said, we want this land. And Moses said, you'll have this land, but your men are going to go fight, and then you can have this land. So, this is what he's telling them. It says, then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He told them, remember what Moses, a servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord, your God, has given you a place of rest. He has given you this land. Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan River to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has given you rest, and until they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned to you. You know what they answered Joshua? Because he was strong and courageous, and bold, and he didn't need to pray about it. He just did what he was told. You want to know how they responded to his leadership? This is how they responded to his leadership. We will do whatever you command us, and we will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses, and may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders... And does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. That's what the people told him. That was their response to his leadership. Are you a Moses or are you a Joshua? I want you to write a three-page three-page essay. Minimum 750 words. If you write it on Word, it'll tell you how many you've written. Minimum 750 words, and I want these turned in to me by email by Thursday. (laughs) Are you a Moses or are you a Joshua? I need a house full of Joshua. I do. I don't want excuses. We can't build this church with excuses. I can't be there on that day because of this. I can't do this because of that. I can't give because of this. I can't help because of that. I don't want excuses. God doesn't want excuses. If you think he does, just read the story of Moses that we read last week. You can grab a bulletin on the way out. It'll point you in the verses in the right direction. And you can let God tell you because it doesn't need to come from me. Amen? Amen. Alright. So, looking at Joshua's story. One, similar to Moses. The timeline here is late for Joshua. Joshua was old too. I know, and this is going to sound mean, but this is the way we all do it. Anybody older than me is old. Anybody older than me is old, right? Anybody older than you is old. Anybody older than Javier to Javier is old. Nobody's older than me. This is the way we look at things, yes? I mean, it's a natural thing. Mos- uh, 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 here, A, Joshua was a man when he departed Egypt. Did you know that? 
Joshua is not some young man who was raised out in the wilderness and was this young, vibrant leader when he was ready to take over. No. Joshua was a man who was, had a voice when they were still in Egypt before they even went out into the desert. So now Joshua spent 40 years in the desert. He is retirement age, folks. Just like I said about Moses. He's at the point in life that he doesn't want to work anymore. He has been Moses' right-hand man for 40 years. He is ready to collect Social Security. He's done. Cash in on his 401k, give me the promised land, and let me just take it all in. But that's not the way God worked. Joshua wandered in the desert under Moses for 40 years. And even though Moses was not the greatest leader, he followed his leadership. Is that what you do when you have a leader that's a bad leader? Or do you be like, no, I can't. You ever have a bad boss? Let me go one step further. You ever have a bad boss and do things that they wouldn't approve while they're not around? I thought so. As long as it's in my moral compass. Your pastor himself is an ask forgiveness, not permission salesperson. I make deals happen and tell my boss what they are and why we're doing it. Because if you ask for the deal up front, he will argue with you another deal. So I just make the deal. And then you tell your boss what deal you made to make the deal. And you know what they always say? Great job. And I didn't waste a phone call. Efficiency, ladies and gentlemen. Bullet point C, this was a long preparatory period for Israel's next leader. Joshua was groomed for 40 years. This was a long preparatory period for Israel's next leader. Joshua has watched 10 plagues occur in Egypt. Joshua watched the Red Sea open and crossed it. Joshua watched the manna fall from heaven six days a week. Chris, there's seven days a week. If you don't know the manna story, you really need to get into your word and start meditating on it day and night. Joshua saw the manna fall from heaven six days a week for 40 years. Joshua saw rocks gush water. Joshua followed Moses' instruction, but for 40 years, he was number two. He was not number one. For 40 years, he followed the leader, the person God put in charge. This was a long preparatory period. Most people today are like, I'm a pastor, so that automatically means that my son's a pastor. He has no talent, but we're going to send him to seminary school. We're going to spend $120,000, and when he comes out, he's going to become a youth pastor. He has no business doing it, probably, because we're calling him not God. Interesting. So that was a four-year preparatory period, bought and paid by the work of man. I was not a pastor's kid. I was a deacon's grandson. 
deacon's grandson. And my grandfather was respected. And I did a horrific job of being an embarrassment for a long time. Because I was not these guys. I love our youth. Young, well-behaved individuals. Young, well-behaved individuals. Hey, you guys are here four Sundays out of four a month. I was like two for three, one for four. And they get here at 8.30. And they get here at 8.30. Where's Chris been? Oh, there he is, and he's dyed his hair. What color is it going to be next month? He smelled a little funny when he got here. You sure he should be up there talking to the young kids? It was an embarrassment. It was sad. But through lots of prayer and God's provision and God's calling and a very long preparatory period of 25, 28 years, here I am. Yay. So, let's look at number two. God's calling for Joshua included some promises and rules. There are some promises and rules. You want to know what promises I got from this? I told them to you. No one will stand against you. I told you I put that promise in my pocket. And I know I get to get up here and talk every week, but you want to know what else I know? There's a rule. Chris, I'm going to hold you double responsible for everything you go up there and say. Time out, God. Let's talk about this real quick. They're hard of hearing. Sometimes I have to say things that uh, you know, we got to tell the morning cat story. Just kidding. We're not doing those stories anymore. A he, <laughs> A, he passed the promises of Moses to Joshua. Has God passed promise to you and do you believe it? Has God passed promise? promise to you and do you believe it or do you really 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 hope it happens has God passed promise to you and do you believe it here's what he promised him he promised to be with him wherever be with him everywhere he went did you know that God is going to be with you everywhere you go especially if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you God goes with you everywhere you go okay God goes with you everywhere you go. That means he goes with you in your house when you shut the door and you take your mask off. What color is your mask today? It's Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. What does your mask look like this morning? If you don't have a mask, praise God. Praise God. Anytime I think of a mask, I don't know why I picture Point Break and the Ronald Reagan mask. <laughs> I don't know why. But I do. Every time I talk about a masked man, I picture Point Break, Ronald Reagan mask, bank robbery. Weird associations we have in life, right? I was telling Bibi about another really weird one. We won't go there. <laughs> Bullet point C. This is where the rules came in. First, first he passed the promises of Moses on. Then 
He promised him he'd be with him wherever he went. So no matter what happens, everything you've seen me do with Moses and the people of Israel, the way I've protected you and taken care of you and given provision for you and saved you from your enemies, everything I have done, I will do for you. But there's a catch, Joshua. He reminded him to obey the law of instruction. Why would God remind somebody to do something? Because if you don't, there's going to be a consequence. You all live in 2023 like, oh, I live in the New Testament. I live in the New Covenant. Yeah, again, I repeat what I said earlier, Matthew 5. Jesus said, what happens if something loses its saltiness? If Jesus said that, he wasn't teaching just about the past. You can lose your saltiness. So God's going to remind you of something, because if you don't do it, there will come consequence. God carries a heavy 4x4, four four, bigger than Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Okay? He reminded him to obey the law of instruction. What else did he do? He promised him prosperity and success if he obeyed. God is going to fulfill his promises to you if you obey. Do you obey? Do you obey or do you question everything? Do you pardon your own sin? Oh, I've been doing that a long time. God doesn't really care. Oh, I think he does. I think he does. Number three. This is why Joshua was chosen to be the next leader. You know why? He knew Joshua's heart was ready and willing. He knew Joshua had been through it all. Remember Joshua's report? Huh? Anybody? Joshua's report when the spies went and they checked out the land. And they came back and like everybody's like, we're done. We go over there, we're dead. Joshua's like, no. We got this. Long preparatory period for Joshua. He followed the instruction of the leader. God prepared his heart. And he knew he was ready and willing. How about A, he knew he was afraid. He knew he was afraid, guys. He knew he was afraid. That's why he kept telling him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. He is saying this just like anybody's telling you. If you were at the baseball game and you were a little kid and you're playing t-ball and you're sitting there with your son and you're like, go out there and just swing the bat. Just get out there and swing it as hard as you can. Don't think about nothing. Just swing the bat. Why are you telling your kid that? Because you know your kid's going to walk out there and not swing the bat if he doesn't hear it. You are encouraging your child through the fear you know he has. God encouraged Joshua through God encouraged and enabled Joshua through his fear. He didn't have any objections so that he could heed to his calling. Be strong and courageous. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Be strong and very courageous. Obey the law. Read the instructions. Do it. Meditate on it day and night. If you do this, you will prosper and succeed in everything you do, Joshua. I promise. That is an amazing promise of God.
B, he encouraged him to be strong and courageous. It's up there, yeah. B, he encouraged him to be strong and courageous. And C, Joshua immediately turned and led the people through voice and action. Because you know what they did three days later after he said in three days we're going to go into the promised land? Three days later, they crossed the Jordan and they went into the promised land. Joshua immediately turned and led the people through voice and action. He didn't have any excuses. He didn't say, God, I'm going to pray about it. Pastor, I really need to pray about it. I, I don't know. I got to discuss it with my wife. I got to discuss it with my husband. I got to discuss it with my kids. You know, my kids are in football and then they're in softball and then they're in baseball and then they're in Girl Scouts and Cub Scouts and and I've got a million excuses of why I need to tell you I'm not sure if I can do that. Guess what? Then you're not going to be a Joshua. I want to read it again. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you uh, meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua then turned around and said, Lord, let me pray about it. No. Joshua immediately turned and led the people through voice and action. It says, Joshua then. Yes, Lord. Here's what we're doing. That's what God wants. What is God asking you to do today that you will not turn around and start doing? What is it? It's a 750 page essay due Thursday. Paperwork, baby. Let me give you this takeaway and then we're going to pray out and we're going to head home. Here's your takeaway. You and I can be strong and courageous in our calling because God will be with you wherever he sends you. Okay? It's up there. I was going to put it in your notes, but there wasn't enough space for me to leave you the notes section or that. So be strong. If you want, just take a picture of that with your phone. Be strong. We can be strong and courageous in our calling because God will be with us wherever he sends us. And that's the truth. Is that the way you're living your life? Are you being strong and courageous? Because you know that whatever God has you doing is your calling and that he's with you wherever he sends you? I read some good stuff on losing saltiness. Let me tell you what that looks like. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be sure to read the instructions given to Moses continually. Number one reason people start losing their saltiness, they stop reading scripture. Have you stopped reading scripture or are you just not reading scripture? Number two way people lose their saltiness, they stop praying. Number three way, they live so close to the world that no one can tell they're a disciple anymore. 
Number four way, they have a lack of integrity and Christ-like character. No one would ever look at you and think, God, you are just like a shining light of beacon of hope in Jesus. No, they look at you and go, you are an evil, ugly, mean, nasty person. Here's another way you lose your saltiness. You think only about your own needs. And the last way you lose your saltiness is you let other interests become more important than God and his kingdom. Let me pray about it. I'm going to need to take some time to figure out if I can do that. Are you a doer or a donter? I need a church of doers. I need people to show up every week ready to be doers. I know you're all, I know that the majority of you are doers. I can't say everybody here's a doer because I don't know what you do or don't do. But I do know, for those of you who I do know, I know you're doers. But we need more doers. I need you to invite some people who don't know how to do or don't and bring them here so we can make them do. Amen? How's the challenge going on inviting people to church? Great. Great. Keep it coming. Come on. How's the invites going? Fantastic. We need a bus. We're ready for a bus. We'll start bussing people in. Park at the police station. We'll have the, 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 the Disneyland tram bring you right on into the parking lot here. You file in through that door and exit on that side. The Rivers Uber tram. Oh, for sure. Listen, folks, I want to encourage you today to go out and be strong and courageous because I also want to instill healthy fear in you that you can lose your saltiness. You ever heard somebody tell you that? Uh, Jesus did. You sure? I guess you all have never even read the book of Matthew. It's in chapter 5. You didn't even have to go far. Jesus says it right there. Go on, look it up. Somebody pull up Matthew chapter 5. Fast. Tell me when you got it. Someone. And then they're going to read it. First person. Got it. What do you want? 513. 513 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how could it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. Oh, wow. Hey, you guys know who said that? Oh, Jesus did. So stop living on that I got Jesus free ticket and I can live my life the way I want. Because according to that, you certainly can't. And you can certainly lose your saltiness these seven ways I mentioned. So I need you to go out and be doers of the word. I need you to go out and be strong and courageous. I need you to not say, let me pray about it. I need you to start saying, yes, Lord, here I am. What do you need from me? You know what Samuel said? Samuel, Samuel. Yes, Lord, here I am. Yes, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Hey, did you call me? I'm ready. That's what we need. Let's pray. Father, I 
Thank you for your word today, Lord. I thank you for Joshua. I thank you for his story, Lord. I thank you for his strength and courage that you put into him, Lord, that you enabled him, Lord. You reminded him to be strong and courageous, Lord, and he listened and he heeded your words, Lord, and he did the things that you asked him to do, Lord. He studied the book of instruction continually, Lord. He, de- he, he meditated on your word day and night, Lord. He led the people across the river, Lord. He was a faithful servant to you, Lord. He didn't take time to make excuses for you, Lord. Put that in us, Lord. Just like you told him to be strong and courageous, I'm asking you to put that in this people right here, Lord. Give us that strength and that same courage. Remind us this week in some way, shape, or form, at some point, every individual in this room, I want you to put it in their heart where the words be strong and courageous come to mind and they remember, Lord, that you are with them wherever, you, wherever they go, Lord. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in their life this week. In Jesus' name, amen.